Teacher? Hmm. I see your talents have gone beyond the mere physical level. Your skills are now at the point of spiritual insight. I have several questions. What is the highest technique you hope to achieve? To have no technique. Very good. What are your thoughts when facing an opponent? There is no opponent. And why is that? Because the word I does not exist. So, continue. A good fight should be like a small play, but played seriously. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Not thinking, yet not dreaming. Ready for whatever may come. When the opponent expands, I contract. When he contracts, I expand. And when there is an opportunity, I do not hit. It hits all by itself. Now, you must remember, the enemy has only images and illusions behind which he hides his true motives. Destroy the image and it will break the enemy. The it that you refer to is a powerful weapon, easily misused by the martial artist who deserts his vows. For centuries now, the code of the Shaolin Temple has been preserved. Destroy the image and you will destroy the man. Destroy the image and you will destroy the enemy. What is the image within ourselves? Usually it is an ego-based image. From ego comes pride. And at a lower level of consciousness, pride is good for you. Meaning, it is good to be proud of your children. It is good to be proud of yourself. It is good to be proud of your accomplishments. But pride connected to ego will also be connected to the fear of loss. And where there is fear and the fear of loss, pain will follow shortly. Tonight's topic, destroy the image, destroy the relationship. There will be people, this is our topic, there will be people who love the idea of you, but lack the spiritual maturity to handle the reality of you. You've heard us talk about it all year last year. Dealing and living with a human, living with the humanity of another. It doesn't matter who you're in relationship with. You're going to be called by the very nature of relationship to deal with their humanity. Do you love the idea of your partner or do you love the reality of your partner. Tonight's topic, destroy the image, destroy the relationship. There will, be, there will be people who love the idea of you but lack the maturity to handle the reality of you. The great Krishnamurti 
You know I got to mention them. 1-800-9-2015-80. Get to your phone lines. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The great Krishnamurti said the enemy is you. In the clip we played from Bruce Lee's great movie, right? Enter the Dragon. His sensei said to him, if you destroy the image, you destroy the enemy. Well, the enemy is you, as Krishnamurti said. The, 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 the quote goes even longer. It says, the enemy is you, not the other. That's the same thing I say to you when I say the person that you attract into your life is the question for an answer you have carried in you since birth. Right? In what ways can the reality of your partner differ from the idea you have of them? What factors contribute to the formation of an idea about yourself and your partner? How does the idea of your partner influence your expectations of them in relationships? And when the mirror fragile image of your partner is cracked, do you lose attraction for them? Are they no longer in alignment with you because you were dating a concept, an idea, a perspective? I mean, if you ever sat your tail in therapy, they will tell you part of the healing process is the ability to shift perspective. But many of us have a perspective that our partner has to show up perfect, meaning our partner can't hurt us, shouldn't hurt us. Our partner should be our uh, last line and first line and third line and secondary line and primary line of defense. And when they fail at delivering the outcome associated with any of those expectations, the image is now damaged and the relationship is in peril. Tonight's topic, destroy the image destroy the relationship. There are people who love the idea of you, but lack the spiritual maturity to handle the reality of you. Don't you want to be in a relationship with somebody that wants to be in a relationship with the whole you? All your quirks. Don't you want to be in a relationship that has uh, infinite storehouse of grace. Somebody say, wait a minute. If you say uh, you should have an infinite storehouse of grace, you setting yourself up for your partner to hurt you over and over and over again, right? No, incorrect. The reason being is because all of us are works in progress from the day we're born until the day we die. Our job is to continuously evolve day by day, moment by moment. Uh, when do the lessons stop? They never do. They never stop. Well, I'm tired of the lessons. You know why? Because you're resistant to them. 
When was the last time you embraced the lesson that came into your spirit, that came into your space? Hmm? Can you truly love someone if you only love the idea of them? Listen to what I'm saying tonight. Can you actually, in the moment, with clarity and purity, love someone if you only love their Im image, if you only love your idea of them. I'm going to tell you right now, you get in a relationship with me, chances are I'm going to let you down in some way, shape, or form. Not because I want to, not because I'm looking to hurt you, not because I want to disappoint you, but because I may not have the necessary tools in the moment that I am challenged to show up for you. Does that mean I don't care about you? Does that mean I don't love you? Does that mean I don't want to love you better? No. How can you differentiate between loving someone for who they truly are and loving the image you have created of them? Don't love your image of me because that ain't me. If you in love with the image of me, get the hell away from me. Love me. Me, the one who strives every day. The one who looks in the mirror and says, better, man. Do better. Learn more. Be more patient with yourself and others. If you can't love him, you can't love any aspect of me. What role does spiritual maturity play in being able to handle the reality of your partner? Listen to me, man. I'm heartbroken today. I had to speak at a funeral of a friend of mine who literally made my life better. And watching his wife mourn him broke my heart. Because I realized I ain't never been loved like that. It destroyed me. The poem she read. The passion in which she conveyed it. My brother, Jakeem Stewart, peace and blessings to your family. Peace and blessings to your beautiful wife, Tia. The love she poured out with grace and dignity. Listen, Jakeem was by no means a perfect man. I'm going to give you two examples. I'm in the cigar lounge. Jakeem is an Aries. He wants things done a certain kind of way. He wants things to be a certain level, right? And if he finds that it's not at a certain level, being an Aries, Jakeem could pop off. So he happened to pop off on another good friend of mine by the name of Dana. Pop off on Dana. Now him and Dana are arguing. He tells Dana, get out and don't come back. Now you got to understand something about a cigar lounge. It's a community. We like family. So you, you do know that I'm the resident voice of reason at the cigar lounge. 
So on two different occasions, both those brothers come to me to talk to me about the situation that they have with each other. Jakeem wasn't perfect. Eventually, Dana comes back. Right? That's one instance. Yes, Jakeem went too far. Right? Went too far, kicked Dana out. Went too far. But here's another example of the golden spirit the brother had. It was a homeless man that frequented the lounge. And he wasn't, he was homeless at the time. He was struggling. He was down on his luck. And at the cigar lounge, we have something called the chairman's lounge, where the high-end chairmen get away from the regular crowd, right? That man was down on his luck. And Jakeem did something. He said, I can't let this man become fully homeless. You can stay in the chairman's lounge after the cigar lounge closes. You just got to make sure it's clean in the morning. You got to help out around the cigar lounge. You got to clean up the lounge. You got to make sure, you know, everything is, is in tip-top shape. Do you know that there were members of the lounge who frowned upon that and stopped coming? Because another black man looked out for a black man who was down on his luck. Anwar is dead now. He died last year. But Jakeem looked out for him. I'm giving you these examples of Jakeem to say when I sat and watched his wife say, my hero is gone. Not just my husband, my hero is gone to me that was an example of a woman who loved the whole human being and she said it out of her mouth on stage she said by no means was my husband perfect by no means was our relationship perfect we got to learn how to love a human again we got to break up with the concept that we want to love. If they line up like this, if they assure me they won't do that, if they assure me I don't get to experience this again. When I come forward, the voice of reason will get deeper into this topic. We on fire tonight. How and for how long should you get to know someone? How to set a foundation? Oh well, you know, there's, there's no simple answer to that. I think that you should know someone well enough so that you know if you can negotiate with them and so that you have started to formulate a vision of your joint future that you can both look forward to with enthusiasm and confidence. And of course that's going to depend to some degree on your level of maturity, but that means you've considered such things as do you have a sufficient number of joint interests and are you oriented in the same direction with regards to how you're going to handle your joint careers and the possibility of children and the manner in which you're going to interact with your in-laws and you have to start considering your life together from the perspective of practicality and economics I would say so it can't just be that massive erotic attraction that's associated with love 
Although I think that's extraordinarily important and you're unbelievably fortunate if you have that and you should do everything you can to maintain it. And that takes effort, that takes real effort and will. But you need to ally that with maturity and intelligence and the maturity and intelligence is, okay, we're gonna put our lives together. What's that going to look like at the level of detail? How are we going to handle our finances? Where are we going to live? What are our joint plans going to be, etc. If you want to set up a household with someone, then there's a lot of things that you need to get straight. And you either do that by bringing your unconscious assumptions to bear on the situation and perhaps clashing where they don't match, or you sit down like a conscious and aware and articulate couple and start to negotiate what your joint responsibilities are going to be. And so that would be, well, Who's responsible for the meals and when and what are you going to eat and who's going to get groceries and who's going to pay the bills and who's going to do which part of what household chores there are to do and how is that going to be laid out fair and so you should get to know the person that you're with well enough so that you can start discussing the real practical issues of life and determine whether or not you're capable of negotiating that and I don't think that necessarily means that you should live together because the evidence is what are some of the practices or rituals that can help you stay connected to the essence of yourself and your partner beyond the surface level image how can you continuously evolve and grow together as a couple embracing both the idea and the reality of each other can I tell you, you everybody going to let somebody down. Everybody going to let each other down. Everybody going to hurt each other. Everybody going to disappoint each other. But it comes back to value. You don't value them? I'm not talking about a relationship with a sociopath or a psychopath. I'm not talking about a relationship with somebody that's seeking to abuse you financially emotion i'm not talking about that i'm talking about a human being that is prone to hurt you they love you but they're gonna hurt you how do you value them how do you forgive them how do you put your image of them aside and allow them to be human in your presence how can you encourage and inspire each other to embrace authenticity and vulnerability at the same time in the relationship? How can you navigate the societal pressures and expectations that contribute to the formation of an idealized image of your partner? We know you got one of yourself. One of the coldest idealizations is I'm good. I'm straight. I'm okay. No, you're not. And you haven't been. That's a whole mask. Whenever you're, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm, I know that's everybody. But you can't be that way in a relationship. Vulnerability asks you to reveal when you're not okay. It just tore me to pieces to see somebody love like that. And it made me look at myself and say, man, you've been living your whole life without that kind of love. When we come forward, callers from all over the nation.
When you are actually ready to know who someone is and to, and to sort through that, I don't mean sort through if they bring you immense trauma and toxicity and all of that. It's not your job to sort through that. But I mean to, to you know, that, that gradual illuminating of who we are that happens when you actually take time with someone to get to know them and they get to know you. And, you know, sometimes there are things where you're like, don't love that. <laughs> don't love that. But, but you see that the raw materials that they have are actually very, very good. They're, they're quite beautiful. Again, I'm not saying there's a giant red flag that gets thrown up, but you say, but they're really attractive and we have great chemistry. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you can see that someone's, who they are as a human being and the kind of teammate they would be is really solid. And, and then it's the business of, of knowing what you're willing to make peace with. And of course, we always, we, we tend to forget this, someone else is going to have to make peace with certain parts of us, right? We don't, we don't come perfect. They, they, a friend of mine in London went through the thing, you know, where he, his mum, he kept leaving relationships over and over and over again, and his mum said to him, you know, what's going on? He said, I, I just, I feel like, you know, there's always something better. There's always, I, there's, there, you know, there's more. There's, I, I shouldn't have to settle. There, I could get everything in one person. Mm. And she said, I, I hate to be the one to break it to you, hmm. but you're not perfect. Mm. What you're asking for right now, you're not bringing. Woo. Woo. And, and so I think that there's a, when people fall in love too quickly, I often think they're not ready. And when people never fall in love, mm. I often think they're not ready. Both can be true. Because if we never fall, if we never like anybody, it's almost we're discounting people all the time mm. on, on, on things that we perhaps shouldn't be discounting them on. Mm. Uh, assuming we're in the dating game, uh, you know, if we're, if we're meeting one person a year, then it can, everybody is in a, a great sample group. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR is a complete fire tonight. KBLA Talk 1580. We live from Lemert Park. In today's society, the allure of an idealized image often overshadows the importance of embracing the reality of our significant others. The concept of destroyed the image, destroyed the relationship, highlights the significance of bridging the gap between the idea and reality of our partners. On tonight's topic, on tonight's show, we aim to explore strategies for cultivating genuine connections, navigating challenges, and fostering personal growth for both people in the relationship by addressing the questions Zoe Williams has posed. We can develop a deeper understanding of how to maintain attraction and intimacy when faced with the cracks in our partner's image. Here we go. 
We got callers from all over the country. We got Mountain View, Hawaii. We got Austin, Texas. We got Houston, Texas. We got Omaha, Nebraska. Who's been on the longest? Omaha, get in here. What's up, my brother? What's happening, bro? What are your thoughts on tonight's topic? First of all, first of all my, uh, my, my condolences to all what you're going through, Brian. I, I suggest that you, you take a vacation, bro. Go to Florida, get in the ocean for a week, man, because it's some heavy, heavy stuff that I lose. Those, those brothers are yours. Man, you know, ne- I know that hey, feeling, and it, it gets even worse, brother, because next week is Dr. Mark Goulston. I, I got I, I got to be I got to go to Dr. Mark Goulston's funeral. You do. You do because what y'all did, man, I was shocked, man, because you know I'm a bastard. I was by myself on Christmas and you had him on your show, bro. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, on Christmas? You just gonna do a show? Yeah. And the way he talked to you, bro, and the way y'all changed things, man, did that brother know what was going on? Because he said some deep stuff and he, he opened up his soul by there to you and Sarah. And I was like, Wow, that's deep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the next week that happened, man, the universe, I mean, did y'all set that up? Did you know? Because but the universe allowed you to have that brother on your show on Christmas, bro. I'm like, dang, man, I did that. Oh, you talking, you know, about, but you know you talking about Dr. Allen Berger. He's still alive. That's my good friend as uh-huh. well. But that was a powerful okay. show, and we needed to do that yeah. show for people that were struggling during yeah. the holiday season. Yeah. Oh, my bad. But I just said that show was just so touching, bro. But but back to what you were saying, I'm dumb, man, because I came in, champion of the world, you know, home of Crawford, so ready to knock somebody out. And that last guy you had on just killed my whole argument, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say none of that. If you ain't ready, you ain't ready, man. And, you know, man, like you said, man, you do all the certain things, check all the boxes, not – Let's tell you, check all the boxes, but the universal boxes in your spirit, but yet, and still, you don't feel, or I don't feel that I'm good enough or she's good enough to be in a relationship for the rest of my life with. Mm. I don't know how to get past that in my head that this is supposed to be forever when I don't feel like I'm a forever guy. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I just don't feel that, but I feel like all that other stuff is cool, but I can't explain it, man. Well, brother, let me just say this, man. I love you and I appreciate you for calling and sharing. Guess what you just did? Brought Omaha in the building. Omaha, Nebraska, home of Bud Crawford. Y'all know what it is. If you want to get involved, all you got to do is call me, 1-800-920-1580. Let's get Attila from Houston, Texas. Get in here. Uncle Zoe, what's up? What's happening? How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying I'm all right. But, you know. Yeah. I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I feel No, I mean, okay. So how do I make this as quick as possible? Um, so destroying the image destroys your relationship Ooh. with that person. Come so on. why not let that reignite your relationship with yourself? Hmm. Go deeper. Go deeper. Because... As someone who has dealt with codependency and enmeshment, anytime I was in a relationship that was focused on the image, there was, I think, a part of me that was either numb or dead, if I'm going to be completely honest. Mm. So if the relationship failed, that was my time. Not if. (laughs) When the relationship failed, that's my time to 
spark a, a new relationship with myself and figure out, you know, what was going on. And I think the reason why these things are so hard is because we're spiritual beings having a human experience, right? As they say. So if my relationship or my ideal relationship is in a spiritual realm, then the reality, you have to kind of try and figure out how to mesh that, how to put that together, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And as far as being ready, I mean, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. So if your lesson is there, is there ever a such thing as being ready? Does that even exist? Mm -hmm. What is ready? Like, what is readiness? What is ready? (laughs) what, What is that? I don't even know what that is. Like, if I'm being completely honest... What does it mean to even fully be ready? Because each person is coming with something for you to learn and glean and take something from the Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So how can I be ready for something that I I didn't study for? Like, I can't be ready for a test that I didn't have a a test, you know, something to prep for that doesn't even make sense. Right. It's like that old saying, you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I say destroy the image. I'm all for destroying the image. I love um, it. And I say that as someone who, for me, like having an image is easier because I'm a teacher mm-hmm. and teachers are nothing but actors. Ooh. Ooh, that's a whole nother topic. Don't make us get into that. Can we go there? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Say it. Give me. Just give me thirty seconds of some of that. Teachers are actors. Give me some of that, please. Yeah, teachers are actors. You go up there, you perform your set. We're actors. We're salespeople. We sell ourselves to our students. You have to essentially prove it is your stage for showing that you know what you know and you are who you are, even if that's not true. Mm. So if I walk into the classroom. And I've been out of the classroom since 2020. But if when I used to walk into the classroom having had the most horrible day ever, the show must go on. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You know, what I'm saying? the show got to go on. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't stop just because I'm not feeling well. And so I think, in a sense, we take that same thing with our relationships. At least, again, within that first three month period, you're still performing, mm. and at some point, you get tired. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Atala, mm-hmm. you done put a lot on our brain. So you know what I'm about to ask you, right? You know what I'm about to ask you, right? Nope. <laughs> what did you just do, Atala? Houston in the building. Houston, Texas in the building. You know I'm waiting for Los Angeles. L.A., you you are the golden city. Come on, L.A. city of angels. Show up big time. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, I'm going to the rest of the nation. Hey, 1988 is the year. Boy, Karen White was on fire. Produced by, of course, LaFace, Babyface. Woo, Karen White, slow down. Go back to that 88 album. She was the girl back then. My playlist is my co-host. Tonight's topic, Destroy the Image, Destroy the Relationship. We're on absolute fire tonight. We got callers from all over the country, and we're talking about how many of us are in love with the idea of our partner, but not the reality of them. We have to learn how to bridge the gap. To bridge the gap between the idea and reality of our partner, communication is key. Open and honest dialogue allows for expressions uh, for, for the expression of our true selves. By actively listening and sharing vulnerabilities, we create 
an environment that encourages authenticity and fosters emotional connection. Then you have to learn how to communicate authenticity. To communicate our true selves to our partners, we must first embrace our own authenticity. This involves self-reflection, understanding our values, desires, and most importantly, fears. By sharing these aspects of ourselves, we invite our partner to do the same, fostering a deeper connection built on trust and understanding. Then we have to deal with the challenges that comes with, you know, our image being fractured or cracked. And usually that happens when our humanity shows up. We lie. We cheat. Uh, we, we yell. Uh, we get angry. We disrespect in the heat of the moment. The image begins to crack under those types of pressures. So when the, when the social and professional image of our partner starts to crack, it can pose challenges within a relationship. External pressures such as societal expectations or judgment may influence our partner's perception of us as well as our perception of, our, of ourselves. It is crucial to recognize that the image is not the entirety of who they are and to separate it from their essence. We got callers on the line and I believe they want to share who's been on the longest. Reggie, Austin, Texas, get in here. What's up, man? Um, man, I wish I had heard what you just said before I called. Um, what what I was what I was calling about is you have an image of a person because of what you experience with them, um, because of the way you've seen them act in certain situations and and over a period of time, um, and you've seen them do some really great things, and if they ever come with things that aren't as great or things that are really mundane. You're like, okay, what's going on with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, and you just want them to be the best version of themselves. So how do you communicate that without being demeaning and without, um, you know, withholding grace from them? Definitely you have grace. You're not going to walk away, but you're like, okay, I know you can do better than this. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on? You see what I'm saying? But I hear how you how you phrase how you frame that, and that's cool. Uh, and this is something I struggle with, man, because when I feel like people don't respect the peace process, you know, the the peace process when we decide to sit down and really work on something and try to heal the situation. If people are resistant, they stay in the past. They they stay rooted in their belief systems of the past. To me, that's you not trying to heal. So when that happens. You're right. That's when the tone starts to raise. We get angry. We start, right. you know, the the way we talk gets, ang- uh, you know, gets more sh- crisp and sharp, right? Because now we're mm-hmm. starting to lose uh, patience with the person. And I was going to say, and that's why I said this is a struggle for me. I have to learn how to speak with grace in my mouth. Do you understand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A sister, now let me tell you something, man. A sister who is a spiritual, a spiritual worker, uh, a African spiritualist that I talk to on a regular. You know what she told me one day? She said, mm-hmm. "I want you to go to uh, Popeye's Chicken." I said, "Why Popeye's Chicken in particular? Why Popeye's Chicken?" She said, "Because they got them honey packets." She said, I need you to go to Popeye's Chicken and get a handful of honey packets and put them in all your pockets. I said, what? 
She said, yeah, because whenever you get ready to talk to somebody, I want you to take out one of them packets and put some honey in your mouth because you got to learn how to sweeten your words. That's an African belief system. Oshun, the mother of sweetness. She's you got to keep Oshun in your mouth. You need some honey packets. <laughs> I said, what in wow. the world? So I understand what you said. Listen, stay with me, Reggie, because I know you got more. When we come forward, more from Austin, Texas. A key reason why relationships are valuable is that they help us to know ourselves better. Being part of a couple can help us to understand who we are. Our partners may see what we no longer can, both what's adorable and what's more perplexing and difficult. They might, for example, remind us that we've told that anecdote three times before or that purple doesn't suit us. They can tell us that we've overreacted to a problem at work or that we've placed our trust in an envious friend. Their responses to us give us a chance to grow slightly less obtuse, haughty and peculiar. But despite the potential of love to function as a route to self-knowledge, in practice we often walk away from relationships with most of our delusions intact. Some of our problem comes down to pride. We can't find it in our hearts to forgive our lovers for catching sight of material that doesn't accord with what we want to be true of ourselves. Mm. We come to love hoping to be admired. They spot that we aren't always very funny, that our novel is patchy, that we're prone to self-pity, that we lose our tempers too fast. Far from using these bits of difficult news as goads for self-improvement, we tend to find it much easier to get insulted, to say that a partner is being mean or inconsiderate, and to block our ears. We fall back on a noxious but highly popular idea about love, that in a good relationship, no one should be trying to change anyone presumably because we're perfect enough already. We're not only bad at receiving feedback, we're also very poor at giving it. We give up after only a few minutes of measured conversation, call them a shithead, slam the door and shout that they're as bad as their mother or father. In order to capitalise on the potential of relationships, we should be stricter on certain basic rules for love. Firstly, we should start by insisting contrary to the romantic script, that true love is entirely compatible with attempts to teach people who they are and how they might improve. The only people whom we don't want to change... Wow! Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR, top of the second hour. You already know I'm cooking with the rarest grease. Tonight's topic, destroy the image, destroy the relationship. There will be people who love the idea of you, but lack the maturity, the spiritual maturity, to handle the reality of you. If you haven't learned to handle the reality of you, it's going to be very difficult for somebody else to. When you start loving the reality of you, you're going to find someone. Somebody's going to come into your life. You're going to be magnetized into your life, and they'll love the humanity of you. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's why I'm not loved the way I want to be loved. Maybe my problem is I haven't totally loved all my nooks and crannies and all my dark hallways and all my, you know, dark side. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why people give up and quit. Man, I'm good for attracting an intimate quitter. Soon as they see the human, Zoe, not radio, Zoe. Not author, Zoe. 
Not good dad, Zoe. Not really smart, Zoe. Not Zoe can answer questions on religion and science and spirituality. When they get to know human Zoe, they're like, how dare you still have this in your spirit? What? Wow. Heavy stuff. Let's get Reggie back in here for his final thought. Man, I think um, the, the greatest part is you showing grace to yourself. Um, and the grace that you show to yourself kind of overflows to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So while, you, while you're while um, you trying to find better ways to show grace to, you, to your partner, find grace to... Sh- Trying ways to show grace to yourself. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some some some, um, honey. some slack. <laughs> honey yeah, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And it flows to everybody else, man. Right. It's not easy, but it's possible. And I like the possibility. All right, man. Man, I love you, brother. Guess what you just did? Love you too, bro. Austin in the house. Talk Austin, Texas is in the building. Where's Los Angeles? One 1580 Let's get our brother John from Mountain View, Hawaii. John, get in here. Uh, I'm in the house, but I'm in my I'm in the house, brother. Um, greetings and blessings to the chat. Greetings and blessings to everybody who's in here listening to this radio station. Uh, the condolences to the family that has been a lot, that has lost one of their loved ones, their hero, mm-hmm. the the head of their household, mm-hmm. and uh, also to you, though. Not only do you look good, but let let let's cut the chatter and uh, realize that we are still dealing with real things. Right. Right. Especially this topic, especially this topic. Um, as Atala said, teachers are actors. Could you also put leaders in that in that role of a teacher? Mm-hmm. 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 In the actions that that leaders have to go through, if we put on a performance, most of us as men, we go through these situations just the same way. And in this society that is telling us in, in, in a very pushmatic or, or just dogmatic way, uh, be concerned about self, work on self, prepare self, get better at self. Uh, did we also include in bettering ourselves the portion where we're supposed to die daily? Die daily. I said it at the funeral today. I said, everybody here is upset that our brother has passed away. I said, but do you know how much time we waste because we refuse to die daily? I said, you got to die to some negative aspect of yourself every day or you're not truly living. But many of us wait until the final death. To try to say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Oh, I wish I did that. I wish. I said, some aspect of yourself has to die every day. Talk to me, brother. Well, I really don't have the time to talk to you, bro. Mm-hmm. And I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I should uh, reward myself with offering you this money so I could sit down and have a session. But we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, I will say to help out anybody who's trying to, to, to get an understanding of all of this stuff that we're going through in this life, uh, find your balance. Mm-hmm. Find your balance. I like that. Your balance, not my balance, not the teacher's balance, mm. not the other leader's balance, not any of these other things. You know what you can tolerate. Mm-hmm. You know what you can go through. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you what that is. 
So again, with grace, find your balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, brother. I do. Guess what you just did? Brought Mountain View, Hawaii in the house. Mountain also- View, Hawaii. Oh, man, he was saying something. That's all right. Andy, quick on the trigger, man. Mountain View, Hawaii is in the building. I love you, John Gilbreth. He calls in all the time. Very powerful, brother. We appreciate his insight. We appreciate the information that he shares with us. But guess what? Sometimes our ego prevents us from letting go of our image. Sometimes our ego prevents us from recognizing that the ego itself fuels our inner enemy. Right? The ego is busy maintaining an image that we're okay, that everything is okay, that we're good people, that we all right, ain't nothing wrong. Haven't you had conversations with folks and they say, ain't nothing wrong with me? (laughs) Hold on. You talking to me? Ain't nothing wrong with me. You the one with the problem. Have you had conversations with folks that will aggrandize your cracks in your image and ignore the cracks in their own? Didn't Jesus say something about it? What did Jesus say? He said, hey, before you talk to your neighbor about the splinter in their eye or his eye, You need to address the plank in yours. Now, look at the size difference. (laughs) You got a plank in your eye. This man got a splinter. How did you see around the plank? (laughs) You should be damn near blind. You got a whole plank. Krishnamurti says it differently. Look at what he says about the ego. Isn't the origin of conflict ego if there is no ego there is no becoming it is the ego that says i'm supposed to have this i deserve better i'm supposed to be this you didn't show up the way i needed you to show up and when you did show up the way i needed you to it was too late so guess what you showing up the right way too late listen to me now it's not enough The ego is the enemy. The ego is rooted in the image that you project onto others. I want you to hear what Krishnamurti said again. Isn't the origin of conflict ego? If there is no ego, there is no becoming. Right? There's no striving. Isn't our relationships about aspiration? Most of them is about aspiration. We don't turn spirituality into an aspiration. Spirituality is about being, not doing, not accumulating, right? Man, I can't wait. Just like Kanye, wait till I get my money right. Many of us are like, wait till I get my spirit right. That ain't the same kind of process. And sometimes that's a lifelong process. Do you understand? Listen to what Krishnamurti is saying here. If it is not put together by thought, the me, the ego, the self, then it is something sacred, invaluable, unalterable, something that is beyond time. 
This is, do you want unconditional love? Unconditional love is invaluable. It's unalterable. It is something that is beyond time. Your ego puts you into time and makes you think that somebody is wasting it when they don't give you what you want, when they don't show up when and where you want. God manifests himself through relationships, through the partners. This is why folks in the East will say namaste when they meet you. You'll say it at the damn yoga lounge, but not getting no elevation from the yoga. You just sweating and stretching. You can do that in sex. But the people in the East say namaste. What does that mean? The divine in me recognizes the divine in you. So understand what Krishnamurti is saying here. If it is put together by thought, the me, the ego, the self, then it is something sacred, invaluable, unalterable, something that is beyond time. We make the ego God. We turn the ego into God. Do you understand? Unconditional love is actually unalterable. Something that is beyond time. This is how you can live with a human being when you have authentic, unconditional love. Because that is an infinite reservoir you get to keep going back to to cleanse, heal, renew, refresh, reconcile, rebirth your relationship. But many of y'all in this society don't believe in that. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. When I come forward, when I come forward, Lord, I'm on fire tonight. Get to your phone lines. I want to talk to the nation. This is a national discussion. 1-800-920-1580. Let's do it. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. That thing is fire. Karen White. And Babyface, man, y'all better understand something. That 1988 Karen White album was crazy. My playlist is my co-host. I just had to put a little, little, a little paint where it ain't. Wow, great record, man. Tonight's topic is a heavy one as well. Destroy the image, destroy the relationship, right? And, and the subtitle of this topic is: There will be people who love the idea of you, but lack the maturity to handle the reality of you, right? What is the role of empathy in supporting your partner's humanity? Empathy plays a vital role in maintaining attraction when the image of your partner is no longer perfect. By putting ourselves in their shoes, Sometimes people so focused on how you made them feel, how you hurt them. Don't you know being able to take yourself out of uh, the grasp and the grip of pain is a, a great way for it to go away? Sometimes people just want to sit in their pain and that's their choice. And they have the right to do it and it's okay for them to feel it all the way through. But wouldn't it be good sometime to step outside your pain. Wouldn't that be a way to subdue your pain? 
your ability to step outside of it and give empathy to another. I know people don't think like this when it comes to relationship, but this is a possibility. By putting ourselves in their shoes and understanding their perspective, I'm talking about the person who hurt you. Like Prince said, would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if the somebody was me? Hmm? We can cultivate compassion and strengthen our bond. Empathy allows us to see beyond the cracks in their image and appreciate their journey of growth as well as our own. We have to start seeing cracks in, the, in each other's image as opportunities for internal growth. For the cultivation of spiritual maturation. The cracks in the image of our partner can lead to personal growth and a stronger relationship if we see it as an opportunity for us to expand beyond the image. These moments of vulnerability provide an opportunity for introspection, which leads to self-improvement. If you're about that work. By embracing challenges together, we can foster resilience and a deeper connection. Andy, you had a point. Bring your point in because one of my favorite callers is on the line. Lord, have mercy. We're going to go to church in a minute. Yes, sir. Um, I think one of the challenges, I think um, it's one thing to be vulnerable while, you know, being in a relationship. Right. But I think one of the challenges in dating, right, before you could even get into a relationship, right? I'm trying to, for lack of a better term, catch somebody, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And I think being vulnerable off the rip could actually push that person away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of the times where we, you know, uh, we wear that mask, our representative is being shown. You kind of touched on it in the first hour. It's like, if I ask you how you're doing, you're going to say, I'm okay, when deep down inside, you're probably like really, 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 truly in pain. But I can understand you might not wanting to be as real because do I do I really want to hear your mess? You Wait know what minute, I'm saying? Well, well, hold on. You know what you're saying, right? Speak on it. You're basically saying we're liars. 100%. That's all. We're real liars. Time. Because how you live in a society that says keep it real, keep it 100. Keep it 100. Keep it real. Ain't nobody real. Because vulnerability is real. You, you think one pain is better than the other. And I can give you an alternative perspective to show you that it ain't. Right? Let me, let me give you an example. I want to go to a new relationship because the last relationship caused me pain. But the new relationship is going to cause you to be vulnerable. Vulnerable means pain. So now you got you running from one pain to another pain. Then you say, you know what? I just want the uh, the sweet pain of sex. And you know what? I've been with this person long enough that we could take off the condom. Well, one in four people have herpes. You you gonna get? Listen, all I'm saying is life gonna give you what you running from. Stop running. Life is always going to give you what you're running from. What we resist persists. We think the image is a safe haven. 
but the image makes us inauthentic. And it makes a shallow grave for a relationship that has a death date now. I know y'all didn't want to hear it put that way. I'm sorry, but thank you, Andy. I appreciate the insight. Nikki, get in here. Brothers go in the fam. <laughs> Man, this is really thought-provoking. Well, you know how I do when I get riled up. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still kind of in last night with the passing of the doc. Mm-hmm. Because, speaking to the issues you brought up, something I really think that we might sit with for a minute about last night and him passing. I'm dying to tell you this. Mm-hmm. I don't want us to miss something I sort of breezed over last night in saying that we're all doing what he was saying. Mm-hmm. The level that he took us to speaks to what you're talking about. <clears throat> wait, 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 hold on one second, Nikki. You cooking and we right up against the 30 minute mark. Just stay with me. Don't leave because you're really about to pull this thing down. And I want you to have as much time as you need. When we come forward, we going back to Mississippi. Nikki is going to kill it for us. Trauma is so ubiquitous that if you think you have never seen it, you have not looked. We meet people who fly off the handle. We meet people who shut down. We meet people who are very difficult. You know, it is a rare family. It doesn't have a drug addict, alcoholic, disturbed person. You know, one thing I like to say when they give a lecture, are there any normal people who come from normal families in the audience? And sometimes one or two people raise their hands. They say, can I please come to your family for Thanksgiving? Because I've never been to a normal family. My name is Bessel van der Kolk. I'm a psychiatrist, neuroscientist. I have been studying trauma for about 50 years now. I've treated a whole variety of different traumatized populations, see trauma in many different countries around the world, and I am the author of the book, The Body Keeps Its Core. It's important for people to realize that not every mental health professional knows what we're talking about here. The mainstream system of, uh, of psychiatry, psychology is that there is something wrong with you and I need to fix you. That's a very different attitude than dealing with trauma. Around that time that I first started to work for the VA, a group of us started to define what trauma is and started to define what happens to people. 1978 was the year, and the Vietnam War was over by about six or seven years. The very first day that I met Vietnam veterans, I was just blown away. They kept referring back to their dead comrades. Their hearts seemed to be with the people who were no longer around. They had a hard time loving their wives and girlfriends. They had a hard time being in any way meaningfully involved in the present. These were guys who were my age, 
who were smart and competent, but they clearly were just a shadow of their former self. And what is also really striking is they were sort of passive much of the time, and then people told them something that was disappointing, and they went from zero to 10 and blew up and became extremely angry. Something seemed to have happened to them that made it very hard for them to modulate their responses to the environment. My colleagues and I started to think about how is what these guys suffer from different from what other people who are in psychiatry textbooks suffer from. So I dug up a book that was written in 1941 by Abram Gardner, who had been working with World War soldiers. He writes, these guys suffer from a physioneurosis. Their bodies continue to re-experience that very terrible, frightening situation. And Do you hear what he's saying? Your trauma makes you human. Listen, he says the body remembers. He's giving the example of Vietnam vets. But what about my case? A foster kid. Right? Ten months old, taken from my 27-year-old mother. Child number six. She goes and has a nervous breakdown. None of her family comes and takes her kids, so some of her kids got to go to jail. The two youngest, we go to foster care. Right? We acclimate to the Bynums. We think the Bynums are our family, our mother and father. Five, six years later, Jesus, y'all not our real parents? No, I saw your real mama in the streets and God told me to give y'all back to her. So now we move out of the suburbs, getting haircuts, and Baskin Robbins after church every Sunday and picking Christmas gifts that we want. We now go back to the projects? Rats, roaches in the house. And when I say ro and when I say rats, I mean my sister used to make me carry her on her back down these metal stairs. I would I would carry her on my back down the metal stairs because she was afraid of the rats, but so was I. I turn on the light in the kitchen. You know it's 10,000 roaches scattering. And But then also, there's 3,000 rats all over the stove scattering. So imagine somebody who got to be in a relationship with me. Having a mama who didn't have the capacity to fully love me because she was never right after being given no psychotropic drugs. Me as a five-year-old having to call her by her name, Rosetta. Lady, we hungry. No, son, I'm your mother. Uh, uh, Mary is my mother. So imagine somebody not knowing Right. How to relate to the humanity in me. And then having all these expectations that I should show up. In a certain kind of way, back to Krishnamurti, I don't mind what happens. 
That is the essence of inner freedom. It is the time. It is a timeless spiritual truth. Release attachments to outcome deep inside yourself and you'll feel good no matter what happens. We have attachments to what our wounds desire. Not to what we desire, to what our wounds desire. I'm sorry, Nikki from the SIP, please forgive me. I went on a tangent. I love you. Get back in here. All of that was good. <laughs> Nikki said all that was good. <laughs> all that was good. Um, but it, it does still speak to where I was going. First, let me say, now love is. I think one of the reasons we struggle so, just period, is because it takes a long time to learn, not in our head, but in our heart, that now love is. It, it, it Love doesn't require, it just is. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult lesson. Mm -hmm. And without that lesson, then when we have these traumas, emotional responses to terrible things, mm -hmm. it makes it even more difficult for our physical self, because you said the body remembers. Mm -hmm. We had talked before about always bracing for impact, which I think very often comes because we're traumatized early. But one of the things that, that, was so profound about last night and the doc in general. Mm -hmm. He represents now love is to me, mm -hmm. particularly because he was dying to tell us. Mm. And because he was sharing with us that level he was taking us to that we may not have realized it at the time because of the place in the process of dying he was in. Mm. Um, even the tenor of his voice in what he was trying, dying to tell us about. Mm -hmm. To be at a place where you could share that much truth, that's part of what that love thing is supposed to rejoice in. We are supposed to, as loving being people, rejoice when we hear truth. Mm -hmm. It also explains to me why he was very prolific in writing and helping because there was so much truth coming from it, mm -hmm. from a love place. Mm -hmm. Even if that was not his intention, maybe, all the time. Hmm. It says a lot, even with what you were sharing with us, that's a level of elevation to be able to, to share a truth, even in our <laughs> intimate relationships, because sometimes what we are looking at beyond the aesthetically pleasing parts mm -hmm. is really the truth of the person coming out, not the mass. Sometimes a bit of the ego because ego is the sense of self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that sense of self has morphed into a not cool place because of traumas, when we see that, if we haven't, gotten to the now love is place when we are approached in the intimate relationship and it 
touches on a trauma in us, it makes it hard. Mm-hmm. And our natural state as a human being is to cover or secure self. Mm-hmm. It can make us want to run or hide or just get away from it or leave it alone. And sometimes because we're working on whips in progress, getting to the state of now love is, as I told you, whatever's supposed to happen does. Mm. That all the time. How do I know? Because if something different was supposed to happen, it would have. <laughs> That's on. how I know. Come on. So if we can work toward the doc's example of being able to elevate into the place of now love is to the point I'm dying to tell you about it mm. and I'm actually dying. Mm. Oh, right. oh, this is not oh. just a podcast. I'm I'm uh-uh. actually dying, by the way. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. before uh-huh. I leave, take this with you. <laughs> right. Take this with you. And, and he passed the baton in that sense to give us an opportunity to work on that part of us which hasn't developed to that place so that when we get to these intimate relationships, maybe our first response is not to flee (laughs) Mm. or fight Mm -hmm. because I've worked on now love is enough in me so that that's not my first response. Mm. (laughs) Nikki. Nikki, I love you so much. Hey, how many of y'all, we got to do a Nikki appreciation clip where we just put together some of the best points that Nikki lays down on this show. Because I tell you, man, this is this is that MF and cornbread, right? This is that down-home cooking right here. We love you, Nikki. Thank you so much for calling in. Guess what you just did? I brought the sip in. I love you back. The sip is in the building. We appreciate it. Thank y'all for reaching out. But listen, my homeboy, God Melanin, is on the line. Houston, Texas. When we come forward, the national calls continue. Boy, if you don't get Miss Miss Ross, the boss, Miss Ross up in here. Let me get my final caller on the line. Our good brother, God Melanin, Houston, Texas. Get in here. Peace, peace, brother. How are you, man? Condolences, you know, off top. I know your heart is heavy, brother, but, you know, we persevere. I know you'll get there. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, Speaking to the topic as best I can, because Mama Nikki killed it. I ain't going to host you. Mama Um, Nikki, boy. Woof. Mama Nikki came with that fire. But uh, if if I stick to the original premise, the topics, and... I think about forming ideas versus accepting and acknowledging the reality of the people that we come into intimate relationships with. Speaking from my personal experience, and uh, I may be naive for saying this, I'm 31, but I honestly haven't had too many uh, experiences with people in intimate relationships where I had a false version of who I was actually looking at in front of me. Mm, Because... Due to my action, and then it helps that I've been listening to you for almost seven years, you know, but mm-hmm. I've always understood that, you know, I had a lot that I had to work through from my personal upbringing, family situation, things like that. And when I finally got to a healthy space of looking at myself for who I was and what I was, 
mm-hmm. what I could be. Mm-hmm. I understand that there has to be a process of evolution, which takes time. And accepting that it's not going to be easy. Sometimes I'm going to disappoint myself. Sometimes I'm going to let myself down. Sometimes I'm going to look in the mirror and be like, this ain't it. How can I not extend that same grace to another human being? Because at that moment, I'm accepting that I'm human. So I feel that if you move into relationship with that same understanding, if you get to that certain uh, level of confidence within yourself, then you wouldn't have a problem acknowledging somebody else's humanity and understanding that they got the same things, if not more, to work on that you have to work on. Out of the mouth of babes, man. We appreciate the insight. Thank you, brother. I love you for calling in. You brought Houston, Texas in the building. Listen, we don't have all the answers here, but we definitely know how to start the discussion. Tonight's topic was heavy, man. In relationships, we often create an idealized image of our partners, projecting our desires, hopes, and expectations onto them. However, when this image cracks and reality sets in, it can be challenging to navigate the complexities that arise. This particular show, we try to explore the importance of supporting personal growth and open communication, acceptance, trust, self-love, and forgiveness, and embracing the reality of our partners and fostering that strong connection that we all want. But let me tell you, that's the real work. And your relationship will be a mirror reflection of your inner work, not your insistence on your partner to change. You got to change. And listen, if you speak to your partner in love, with compassion, with empathy, with understanding, and you say, hey, this is a process that I'm in. Do you see my results? If you want to, of course, on your own time, you can see how this might work for you. Or this might just be a process that worked for me. But look at the results. Sometimes we think once we get a kibble of understanding that we are somehow a professor of it. And now we want to go proselytizing to our partner. Listen, everybody you come in contact with is on their own path, right? Their job is not to fulfill every outcome you have in your heart. They're there there to reflect the limits in the construct of your desire. What do I mean? Sometimes your desire is born out of fear, ego, pain, resentment. A lack of something, a lack of self-acknowledgement, uh, a lack of being seen and heard. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm here to reflect it back to you so you can see what you need to work on. We started the conversation. It's up to you to finish it. The fire shall continue. My friend, your friend, our sister, your sister, Jill Monroe, RSVP with Jill Monroe. Up next, Voice of Reason. See you tomorrow. Deuces.